Alright. Welcome to the Aya podcast where we casually emphasis on casually discuss the good and the bad of mental and emotional health. My name is TY. And I'm Old Man Jazz. And in today's episode we will be discussing the big D. <laughs> Say it with me, Jazz, the big D. The big depression. D No depression. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you meant that one. Yeah, ready? Go. The depression. Dep- <laughs> Hey! <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Aya podcast. What, 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 what? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, good spark. I like the little improv. Say it with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, say what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so straight to the old check-in segment. This is where Jazz and I pretty much, or whoever is on the podcast in the future, will just check in, see how we're doing at the start of the episode before we get into the um topics. So, yo, go with you, brother. How are you going? Yo, I have a little bit of a story. <laughs> it yep. shouldn't be too long, though. Um, yeah, no, nah, I feel all good. I just uh was dealing with some survivor's guilt. Over the last couple of days, oh, yeah. um, yeah, had like a conversation with my sister about what's happening back home. Yeah, and I, yeah, I was like, oh, and then what's going on with our bro as well, yeah. bro Max. Yeah, um, yeah, I just I felt guilty for being in the position the position I'm in, yeah. and like in a place where I can focus on myself. Um, and not have to worry about the stresses I used to um, have to deal with. Uh, I feel like a lot of whānau and friends would um, benefit greatly from something like that. Yeah. We're yeah. very great with it now. What's that? Sorry, no, no, carry on. Carry on. No, no, no. Oh, good. I was just going to say, um, yeah, at the time when I was feeling it most, uh, I felt like I didn't earn it. Like didn't earn where I'm at right now or didn't suffer enough to get here. But um I'm feeling better now. Like I just realized or not just realized, but I, I realized that I've come so far and how much I've changed and how much I've progressed. So yeah, the guilt's gone. I don't feel that no more. It's more of a a position a p- position to help where I can Yeah. Yeah, I just I noticed. Yeah, at the time I was I was in it, I felt bad, but yeah, few little cuddles, <laughs> few little cuddles, few little snacks, snacks, and um, a little uh, you know some time to myself to think. Yeah, so you're not in it now. Where like where are nah. you at now? Um, yeah, I'm I, I'm in that position of. I I have this is a great opportunity like, and I am grateful for it. And that's all I need to focus on is being grateful for where I'm at and yeah. also what I can do from here. I think another good point to focus on as well is by taking advantage of this opportunity that you have, you're also helping everyone that cares about you. Yep. yep, yep. And you're, you're just, look after yourself and they don't have to worry about you and they can use their energy to worry about themselves. Yo, hot, hot. 
So like, yeah, as we you said in the last episode, taking care of yourself is isn't selfish at all. Yeah. But yeah, that's how I felt um this week, a few few days this week. But um yeah, no, I'm all good now, brother. How are you? Yo, um, yo, so I'm damn good. You <laughs> I ain't got no survivors go with um. them, brother. <laughs> I ain't got no survivors go fuck them all. Nah. <laughs> nah. Just jokes, just jokes. Uh, just... <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's the worst thing to say where I am right now. <laughs> just jokes. <laughs> so I'm at a... Um, I've just spent my first night last night at a Buddhist temple in Sunshine Coast, Australia. Yeah. Called Chen Razig Institute. Sounds gangster. Um, and yeah, so I'm still on my first, like, second day today, and nothing has really begun yet. I just had a quick tour yesterday. Um, attended my first teaching. Um, and yeah, so nothing big has happened except you know I've I've been introduced and I, I I've set up my room at the volunteer house where I'll be living and working and studying and everything. That's sick. Yeah, so just this morning, I've spent this morning pretty much just, um, I went for a little walk and watched the sunrise a little bit and just playing podcasts all morning. So, yeah, I'm I'm really good. No, that's mean, bro. That's good to hear. All right, so we'll get into our uh, topic for this week which was depression a friend of mine sent me a podcast episode from teal swan titled depression the truth about depression that no one sees or understands so jazz and i sort of listened to this before making this episode recording this episode it sort of re- reaffirmed a lot of things mm-hmm. that i already thought about depression but didn't it like set it in concrete it clarified a lot for me yep and I think it's an extremely powerful episode, especially for anyone interested in depression uh, to understand it. It's, yeah, it's very powerful. I highly recommend it um, from Teal Swan. So I'll just give a quick summary of it. I'm not going to go into a lot of depth about what she said because you can listen to her episode for that. But her, yeah, that episode pretty much inspired this episode. <laughs> oh. Pretty much. So I will be relaying a lot of um, information and things that she said. So at the start of her episode, she says, if you can understand this sentence, then you can understand depression. (laughs) And the sentence is, there is a big difference between resisting futility and accepting futility. Can I just say something, bro? I just want to explain why I laughed. Yeah. When I first listened to it, I was listening to it by myself. And when yeah. she said that, I was confused because I was like, what's breath got to do with this? Then I um, <laughs> <laughs> then I went and did a little Google. I was like, oh, futile. I, I, yeah, I meant fertility. And I was like, hey. But yeah, anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. Go on, go on. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> just just mind bloggling. anyway alright so I'll carry on (laughs) so futility and depression are synonymous or closely associated depression 
to generalize it, is caused by a situation or many situations being such a way where no matter how many times we try, we just can't turn into a situation that meets our needs, desires, or visions. So therefore, the situation becomes futile or pointless. But this is the part where depression enters. So when you're when you hit that brick wall of futility and you realize something is pointless, yep. instead of accepting the futility of the situation, we resist it and we sit in that situation waiting painfully for it to change. Yep. So yeah, instead of accepting that where we are or what we're doing or who we're with isn't meeting and and instead of accepting that and moving on and changing, we resist it and we stay in that situation waiting for it to change. Refusing to accept futility is like being committed to a dead end. Yeah. Um, now, she she said a lot more than what I just sort of summarized, but um, yeah, th- that's sort of the part that I really... Um, took out of it so did you want did you have any thoughts on the episode bro or anything you wanted to share about it or yeah yeah no it was mean um i actually ended up watching it or listening to it um with my partner i took Mm. it into took it into the lounge and we listened to it together and um it caused yeah no it was mean it caused a lot of conversation between us we were talking about situations we've been through and all this stuff so it was like it was a it ended up being like a really good relationship building situation. <laughs> Don't. Yeah. Yeah, we oh she was getting pissed off because I kept pausing it to talk about stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, just listen to it. I'm like, yeah, but I want to say something. <laughs> <laughs> what does being pregnant have to do with it? <laughs> yeah, just sitting there confused, like, what's this got to do with babies? What does she keep saying fertile? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, nah, it was me, and um, a lot, yeah, a lot of what she was saying was hitting home. I like sometimes I was just pausing it to go. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that I was like, were there any moments where you're like, mm. <laughs> yeah, bro, there was. There was a few. I was like, oosh. But yeah, literally just paused it to add my little fucking sound effects, and then just put it back on. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, that was cool. I like the um, uh, the part where she's talking about um, like a big. I can't remember if she said it was just this or was like a like the main cause of um depressions was like uh dysfunctional relationships. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, that one hit home with me because a lot of my uh, exterior. <laughs> relationship uh dysfunctional relationships i've dealt with and i've um i talked to to my partner about this i was like i feel like i've done a lot to um get through my depression and my my but my depression states now are nothing like they used to be i've come huge steps from bloody self-isolating myself but we'll talk about that later in the depression section but yeah, the that was a big part for me when she talked about that. Um, mm. I got a little angry with all the plugging, but that's just because I'm lazy. Which is like, especially when she's talking about the um, relationship with yourself, and she had a whole another episode for it. I was like, bro, I don't want to go listen to that. I want to listen to it now. 
<laughs> Don't send me somewhere else. I want to hear. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's just me being hoha um and lazy. Uh, f- I like when she said that fighting depression is like the dumbest thing. Or something mm. about that. Like, and there's a part if you go listen to it when she says that, where she's like, um, fighting depression is stupid. It's like resisting the resistance of whatever she says. Yeah. And then she does this little giggle, bro. It'll crack you up. It was funny, yeah. bro. I, pu- I played that back like four times. <laughs> but yeah, fighting, no, it was good, bro. I, wrote, I really like that down, you said that to me. Huh? Wrote down, I wrote down what she said. Fighting depression is like resisting the pain of resistance to futility. Yeah. So and like, yeah, her laugh. You're just so you're just coping with the pain of waiting for things yep. to change. Like you're coping with staying in the same place. Yeah. Hmm. Also, when she touched upon um, uh, when she said, "Oh, hold on. Do you have anything to add? I've just got to think of it again." <laughs> <laughs> I like completely escaped my head. Yeah, I got a lot to add, bro. <laughs> Oh, you go. You go for a little while, and if I remember, I'll say it. Yeah, so just in line with the fighting the team, she did go have a little part of the episode where she went on about antidepressants. Yeah. Uh, she has a big problem with them. Um, so do I, sort of. I, I, did, I tried antidepressants for two weeks. Yep. And it's not that I didn't like the effect that they had on me because they did have, they always do have a weird effect apparently in the first two weeks, but it was more just the I, idea of it. Yeah, like I was like, I, I don't expect these pills to fix my problems, you know, yep. like they're not going to. That's just the bottom line. They're not going to. And that was sort of a gut feeling. I didn't really know what what problem I had with it. It wasn't like clear to me why I hated taking meds, like antidepressants. Um, and yeah, she cleared that up for me. She, she pretty much said, um, cleared up that the chemical imbalance is there for a reason and they're the symptoms. They're not the cause. So when you're focusing on feeling better, you're focusing on the symptoms. Now, when that is your whole focus, it's like, shutting up the voice that's screaming for change yeah that's a great line that she said in the podcast it's like yeah you're dealing with the symptoms and not the cause of the symptoms um i think the whole world like doctors which is shocking as hell but doctors i'd go to doctors and that was their whole focus is um pills to fix the they're blaming the depression on a chemical imbalance but where did the chemical imbalance come from? That's where yeah. the focus should be. Yeah. You know, they're there for a reason. And yeah, it's just the wrong thing to be focusing on. Um, it's like, it's, oh, I just thought of an analogy. Like a raging dog kind of thing. And you just put a muzzle on it. Like, you should, it's probably better to try to teach the dog to be okay. <laughs> yeah, than yeah. To just cover up its mouth. Yeah. Yeah, there's another analogy hitting you with all the analogies right now. <laughs> she said it's like cutting a stem of a plant and expecting it not to grow back, but the roots yep. are still there and it's going to grow back. Yep. Um, so, yeah. That's you got probably a better one, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. 
Um, so yeah, she kind of put into words in very clear words why I didn't like antidepressants. Um, um yeah, what about it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've 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 been against. I'm against that too. I'm I'm probably against medication in general, unless it's super necessary, of course. Um, I don't even take Panadols, bro. If I have headaches or anything i just try cope <laughs> i'm just silly like that i don't know yeah i think like where sort of antidepressants or painkillers can come in they can help you in a way where they might sort of clear your past so you're not worrying about the pain and you can focus more on what you need to change yep you know they can help you in that way but they're not they're never going to fix the root of any problem yep um, so yeah, I guess to summarize that, I'll just say to not like, don't focus on feeling better. Don't focus on the chemical imbalance or the dysfunction within your, um, mind and things like that. Focus on gaining more personal control and power over your situation and your circumstances and yeah. your thoughts, your energy, and ultimately your life, like focus on what you can do. Yeah. And focus on, yeah, just feeling a little bit less um, powerless. Like, when you're just trying to feel better, all you're doing is coping with um, the pain of waiting for things to change. And, and, and nothing's actually changing. Yep. You're just getting more comfortable sitting in futility. Yep. Which means pointlessness, if um, if you don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just for others, just, yeah. just for a friend. <laughs> Guessing your partner didn't understand what it meant. <laughs> Guess he felt the need to explain that. Did your partner have a confusing look on his face? <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, yeah, I, I, um, we we talked about um someone we knew that takes antidepressants and she she got better but uh, what I noticed is that she dealt with those dysfunctional relationships um, mm. so I think when it comes to the antidepressants I feel like it'll only, it's only going to work if you're working to yeah fix the situation at the same time yeah they, they I guess they could be an assistant yeah but it's um, not the answer. Yeah, for me, they're more of a hindrance because I had such a problem with it. Yeah, and I, I don't like I'm, I didn't want to feel dependent on anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, uh, yeah. Um. So, and we're gonna go into our personal experiences, but just to sort of lead into that, like medication and everything to do with depression is different for every single person. Yep. So my opinion on it might mean nothing to some, someone else. Like it doesn't. No, anyone's opinion on depression isn't the ultimate truth. Yep. And ultimate reality. Um, mine is to me. <laughs> yo yo. My experience and my story with it is my ultimate truth and reality, and that's different for every single person. So take everything we're saying with a grain of salt, mm. and if 
um, antidepressants has helped you or is currently helping you, um, that's good. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're, it's just our opinion that we're um, putting forth. So yeah, um, at the end of this podcast episode, um, Kill Swan kind of inspired me to write a short story, um, sort of on this theme that we've just been discussing, um, about resistance to futility. And so yeah, at the end of this episode, I'm going to read that, um, short story out just to close it out. So yeah, that's the last Sweet. last little segment of this episode. So look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, I'll just wrap up that um, little relay <laughs> yeah, of yeah. one's episode by saying just go and listen to it. <laughs> like, yeah. like, there's a lot more information that we didn't cover and a lot of gold in there that we couldn't pass on to you. So she's got a lot more too. She's got a lot of stuff to go through. So. Oh man, she, like I'm only just discovering her, and yeah, she yep. she's definitely one to uh to learn from. Yep. Um, yeah. So the the episode name title is depression, the truth about depression that no one sees or understands. Yep. Uh, I think it's only like eleven or twelve minutes or something, maybe fifteen. Uh, we're, we're which one? Shorten. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it half now? Oh, maybe. Maybe I'm way off. <laughs> I think it's 30 minutes. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for correcting me live on air, bro. <laughs> it's all right, bro. It's all right. I correct myself, too. You could have just let me uh, <laughs> have that. <laughs> so, bro, go on, keep it real. <laughs> No over here, bro. I'm letting it out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, all right. <laughs> the big all thing's right, coming bro. up, bro. Get real. <laughs> so we're gonna sort of leave um, that tail swung recap there and go into our personal experiences with depression. Um, so we'll start with jazz. Like, I just, we'll just sort of tell our personal experiences with depression and what it was like for us. So yeah, go ahead, brother. Yep. Um, yeah, my understanding of depression uh when I was younger or I guess before I really realized that I had it. Um I always felt like I I wasn't depressed. Like for years I was like, nah nah nah. And um uh, I guess there's a common thing with uh big people that, uh, you know, they're bullied, all this stuff, and they have these uh, torment through life. Yeah. I, I never really experienced that. I experienced it differently. I didn't, I, I wasn't bullied. <laughs> um, but it came through my family, like, just the little jabs and mm. talking about things or situations. Um didn't realize those things were building up this image of myself that wasn't true. Yes. <laughs> it just wasn't. And I think that's really where my um, depression stemmed from was my relationship with myself, which was caused, um, or not fully caused, but, you know, 
mm. implicated by the way other people talked about me or talked to me. Yeah, as, um, as quote unquote jokes. Yes, yes. <laughs> just just a little wham. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I held on to those things unconsciously, and as I got older, and you know, you start taking more responsibilities and all that stuff. Hmm. Um, it all just came out, and like my uh, the biggest part of my depression, I'd say like few years ago maybe more than a few years ago actually um the biggest thing that was happening was self-isolating like um i just kept away and i think all my friends can even uh talk to that like me just almost disappearing for a huge amount of times time and just showing up randomly um those were my depression times this where I just kept away from everyone felt like I if I did that I wasn't gonna hurt anyone or wasn't gonna embarrass anyone wasn't gonna embarrass myself yeah you know just keep away nothing will happen and um yes because I used to build up freaking great relationships with people you know like even with you bro just these big relationships friendships and all this stuff and then I would withdraw and I always thought, like, why do I do that? Um, I mean, even us, we had this a break of, or, or not, I wouldn't call it a break, but we just didn't keep in touch as much for, what, nine years it was or something like that? <laughs> yeah, just a little bit of <laughs> Just a little bit of <laughs> almost a decade. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah, I, I blame myself for that for, for some reason. <laughs> just put it all on myself yeah. that... The reason we didn't keep in touch was my fault. Yeah, same. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> nah, bro, let me have it. Nah, but yeah, like that kind of stuff. I just withdraw, and I've done that always. Um, but yeah, I'm slowly starting to reach out, <laughs> like more and more. You know, like this, like the situation before that I talk about the um, survivor skill stuff. I could have withdrawn with that and just kept away. Um, but mm. instead, I'm reaching out. I'm trying to keep in touch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Uh, the dysfunctional relationships, I've, I've noticed that I've kind of, you know, because she talks about it being futile and all this stuff and not accepting that fu- um, futility. Mm. I've got to a point where I've accepted it. <laughs> like there's a, there's certain people in my life that I've just accepted that I can't change them. It's not my job to change them. Yes. And um, all I can do is better myself. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a few relationships like that where I've just said, nah, enough's enough. Um, and it's not just a cutoff thing. It's just a, I don't need to put as much energy as I was Yeah. for nothing, for no reason. Like, and it's, yeah. So that's something I've worked, worked through over the last yeah five years, I'd say, or more, more than five years. That, that I would keep a... forgetting how old I am. <laughs> Cause I had these moments when I was listening to that podcast where I paused it as well. And I was like, Holy shit. Yep. So I can imagine 
you know, when you realize that she was speaking to that part of your experience, yeah, that would have been a point where you paused it and went, ooh. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was one where I looked straight at my partner's eyes and I'm like, Whoa, yeah. <laughs> that's the one. And then played again. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I had, I, when I was going through my depression states, and oh, okay, so I want to talk about this. Um, I got, so my depression states usually was I'd just stay in my room in my bed, right? Yeah. The thing what was happening with that is that um it was affecting my back and I started getting really bad uh back chronic back problems. Yeah. And the the, 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 the lack of movement. Yeah. Cause I'm a big guy. I'm tall I'm all, and I'm also tall. So, you know, the back's going to be messed up regardless. But I haven't had one of my episodes where, I, like, I'm literally unable to walk. Like, it was it was getting that bad where staying mm. in bed so long that I couldn't get out of bed. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was a shitty cycle because mm. the more depressed I got, the more I stayed in bed. But the more I stayed in bed, the more likely I was not to get out of it because <laughs> of all the pain. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's definitely a cycle, hey? Yeah. Depression, like. Yeah. And then yeah. it's just the thoughts of, you know, never going to get be good enough, yeah. not great at anything, all that stuff going to hurt people, never change. Yeah. But um, and, and then you're getting depressed because you're in bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's the stupidest shit, but it's just reality. Yeah. You you're getting more upset about being upset, and then, boof, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks gone by. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah, I was having mad time off work as well. Like week at weeks at a time. Got bad, but um, yeah, no, I haven't had that back 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 issues in a while. <laughs> yeah, like like since moving here. Like, I have stiff back and all that stuff, but very normal, you know, if I'm sitting down, get up and it's sore. But, yeah, I haven't had the, those issues in a while. A lot of um, uh, a lot of people say that, you know, physical um, injuries and problems like that, they often tie to emotional yep. um, causes in your life. So, you know, they, they say they tie um, back problems to, like, just carrying a lot of weight and a lot of emotional pain. Mm. And it results in, you know, physical, it manifests into physical pain. Yeah. Eventually, but, yeah, we'll go into that maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a deep, that's a deep one. Yeah, yeah. But, I, um... I need to learn a lot more about that as well before I talk about that. Um, but yeah but yeah moving to Australia uh, being like the, a huge huge thing for me mm. um, just shows me how far I've come like yeah, that I'm willing to leave what I considered comfort mm. you know my normal um, which now I realise is, is that I think that's probably one thing with depression or my depression anyway, is the change in environment. Yeah. Um, and I guess anyone just changing that alone 
has huge effects. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, lots of family, lots of whānau around me, depressed, but no one really touches on it. You know, it's just um, seen as another part of life kind of thing or just brushed away. Yeah. But that's why I'm grateful for this. Because I can t- I'll speak out about it. <laughs> and uh, they got a bloody come and listen. <laughs> <laughs> so depression for me, um, like, there's obviously a lot of similarities. Um, there's a lot of common themes that you sort of touched on. Whole isolation and everything like that, but um, at the start, like I feel like I didn't know I was depressed for like twenty years. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I just thought, because, yeah, I just thought everything I was doing was just who I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought it was normal and there was nothing wrong with it. Like I would isolate. I didn't talk to anyone. Um, which was the biggest thing and. It wasn't until I sort of started having these outbursts mm. of like violence and sadness and just a whole lot of negative stuff and until I realized something you know something was up um, but yeah until up until I realized something was up, depression for me was. Um, it was hard to notice at first. And when it when it built up, and in, in those early twenties, when it when it sort of built right up to a breaking point, I can easily understand and see how that kills people. Yeah. Oh my god, that was yeah, bro. like <clears throat> like that is the darkest thing. Like when when you when your mind is that um ill and that that way inclined to just be fixed on negativity yep. and it and it grows and grows and grows it's so hard to endure yep. it's so difficult to endure like imagine any kind of disease or physical injury just growing and getting worse and worse to a point where you can't bear to live with it anymore the same thing can happen to our mind. Like we, we will run to someone that has heart problems, but you know, when it comes to mind problems, it, it's harder to, I don't know, just find sympathy for, I guess. Yep. Especially for people that, you know, have never been there themselves and they just don't understand it. Yep. 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 Um, so yeah, it kind of, exploded in my early 20s um especially when i would drink not only when i drink but you know when when people drink they have a lot less control over themselves um and their actions and their words and things and they just they're just running wild so i had a lot of violent episodes um in my early 20s and a lot of them literally for no reason towards completely innocent people that were just in front of me um, and I think it happened maybe three times before I was like, okay, like I've got a problem here. Like there's something that I need to address now because, you know, up until like that third time, I was like, oh, that was just a once off. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, you know, I've been drinking my whole life and I've never really done that. Yeah, yeah. And then it happened like three times in a row. I was like, okay, that's a that's a three off. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think three is a bit, you can't say three off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a thrice off. <laughs> oh, you know, it's interesting, bro. Like, um, so, you know, in those, those years where we went, as well, we weren't in contact at all, really. Yeah. Um, I'd heard of like a couple stories through mates or whatever of like of you. Yeah. And I just I just remember you, when we put up the album, and um, you were giving a speech. Yeah, yeah. And I was talking through it, and um, you know, your your father were like, oi, oi. Stop. Like they were worried that you were gonna get angry with me. And it's crazy because I didn't know that part of you really at all. Yeah, so yeah. I, I didn't fear nothing. I was oh and I still don't, even if I Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would have been like, oh well, it is what it is. <laughs> but um yeah, it, it's just interesting because I had heard of some other stories and then I actually bro, I honestly thought you hated me for a little while, eh? Like because there was one party, the one time I saw you, and I just happened to be sick. <laughs> Had to be sick, and I was heading home. And it was a party. I don't know if you'll remember this. But it was a party at Adamus. Oh, I think I do. Yeah, and you showed up just as I was leaving. And I had, like, the maddest diarrhea, bro. <laughs> there was no way I was staying. <laughs> but I was just leaving here, like, bro... If you leave, and you, I think you said some dumb shit, and I was just like, oh, bro. <laughs> he doesn't like me anymore. <laughs> Damn. You know, well, no, that's not true, because you were trying to get me to stay. But I was like, oh, he's going to hate me if I leave. And I left. Yeah. And yeah, bro, I don't know. It just was years before we got back together, but oh, well. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I don't know if I need to say this, but I never hated you. <laughs> like, I don't even remember that happening, to be honest. Like, but, like, I remember that party, but I don't remember, like, anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember spewing up in the taxi ride home and I had to pay $250. Eesh. And I was, like, writing complaints <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> Just because I don't remember spewing up in the van. Uh, <laughs> I never did that. <laughs> Prove it. It's because I'm light skinned. Because <laughs> I'm light brown, isn't it? <laughs> I have brown nostrils, eh? That's what it is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like obviously, I was going through a lot of stuff. Yep. Um. And yeah, I, I feel like I barely survive my depression because I'm I'm not a person that like tries things out. I'm a person that like I don't dip my toes in. I'm a person yep. that will commit one hundred percent to things that I do. So I knew mm. if I was going to um if I wanted to kill myself hundred percent it was gonna happen. Like I wouldn't fail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I kinda I I just tried to hold off. I was gonna say a joke but I won't <laughs> so there's no attempts <laughs> yeah there wouldn't be an attempt it would be yeah, yeah. it would happen 
yeah. Nothing stops me from <laughs> from doing things that I want to do, and I think my little brother, for the mm. most part, was my brightest light. Yeah. Or even not even brightest light. I feel like reason just the guilt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the guilt of ha- him being alive and having to deal with me having done that that stopped me. Everyone else, I was fine with because in my mind, everybody had hurt me. Like, that's my depressed mind yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah. In my mind, everybody had hurt me, so I didn't care as much about hurting everyone else. But it was my little brother. He was, he was obviously a baby, and he hadn't hurt me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just, it was that guilt that was overpowering and I didn't want him growing up with that. Yeah. Because I had a crappy start at life and I didn't want to give him a crappy start at life just because I did. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I held on through through all of that futility. It took a long time. It's been a long, long time since I discovered my depression. I'm 28 now and I feel like I was maybe 20 when I realized I was depressed. Yep. This isn't an overnight thing at all. It's not easy. Everything we've been saying in this episode, it's easier to say. You know, facts. Um, depression isn't this hole that you just need to climb out of, or it isn't a dog that you need to like train or beat up. Like it's just it's hot. It's it's. I don't know. There's just no real comparison i don't think true yeah to anything else that we have to deal with eh? yeah all i can say is that it's just very very difficult Mm. it's so tricky it's so tricky when it's your own mind and you don't even know you're depressed to start off with and then you have to go within and change so many things within and outside as well like and like a lot of people don't know how to even start doing that. Yep. Um, but you have to, I think, to get through to the other side of depression. It's it's change. Everything is change. Yep. Pretty much. Um. Yeah. So we'll just go into how we used to cope with it. And how how we're sort of dealing with it now. So I, I I use the word cope for the past because I feel like coping with depression is just the wrong attitude to have. Yep. It's fine. Like it, it it's good for it to like get you through, but that it's like the secondary thing. Like the primary thing is you need to, you know, there's other things you need to do that are far more important than coping. Uh, and there's a whole lot of changes that you need to make, a whole lot of adjustments, just a lot of action that you need to take. Um, and a lot of jumps that you need to make. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of ties that you need to break. <laughs> See? <laughs> that was beautiful, bro. <laughs> bro, that, that's it. I'll just solve depression. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of actions that you need to take, a lot of jumps that you need to make, and a lot of ties that you need to break. Bro, that's poetry in action. Bro, add a beat to that. 
All right, that's in end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of everything. Yep. Solved everything. That's it. Uh, yeah, it's finished. We, we've done our job. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, so we'll just finish it off in this one, bro. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, shit, I hope I remember to fucking edit this out. It's all right. I'll listen. Yeah, it's all good. I'll listen to the whole thing. If it goes in, it's fine. So uh, we're, we're talking about how we cook or what we did. Yeah, how we got through it, sort of coped with it in the past, especially when we didn't, you know, know anything yep. about it or what to do. So our coping mechanisms back then that sort of prolonged or at least held held it off a little bit. Yeah. And then how where we are now and what we're doing now. So yo, so yo, we'll we'll go into how we used to cope with it and go into how we're dealing with it now. So we'll start with yep. you, brother. I guess it's pretty straightforward. Um, like the the way I used to was just self isolating and getting the things I liked around me, which was at the time food and games or just anything to keep my mind busy. Um, so yeah, mm. video games, movies, oh, pornography, which is one that I might touch on later. Yeah. Um, the vices, yeah, vices, yeah, yeah, but yeah, uh, I used to just block it using it that way, um, just completely ignore how I felt and just do the things that maybe brought a little bit of control. That's the thing I think with with video games, um, in particular, is it gives you a sense of control and. Especially if you're using uh, cheat codes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's even greater. You feel like a god. But um, yeah, it just it it. Uh, what do you call it? It gives you a feeling that you don't get in real life, and if you're using it in that way, it can be quite quite bad, <laughs> and mm. end up really bad, and you just end up stuck there. But luckily. Yeah, or not luckily, I guess. Um, got into therapy and all that stuff. Got to talk about... Really got to... It's really funny. When you get into therapy, you might talk about the issues that you think of at the time. But the more you do therapy, you start to realise all the things you never really noticed or saw as an issue. <laughs> and it all comes out. So, yeah. And nowadays... Um, my best way of, well, the thing is with the coping stuff is I just got so much better at, um, understanding my feelings and knowing when to feed into it or not, you know, um, or when I am feeding into it or not. Because oh. sometimes you don't even realize that if you're even just, you're drilling in that same negative emotion. Um, but yeah. So how how do you how do you deal with it now? Like what what's changed? Um, talking about it out loud to people, you know, talking to my partner about it. That can um, it... speak to the whole isolation thing. Obviously, yeah. that's not healthy when you do it that much. But when you when you can speak about it, that's a point of connection, and, yeah. and that brings you out of your isolation. Yo. 
But yeah, carry on. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, it's really straightforward for um, for me anyway. It's just yeah, talking, um, talking about it, re- really talking about it. Because even in um, therapy, <laughs> there's a few times where you leave something out or you're not too sure if you want to talk about that, or in me anyway, in my case. So, yeah, finally at a stage where I'm comfortable talking about whatever now. I don't really hold it back or anything. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just have, have accepted a lot of things. Um, but, yeah, and I guess more to do with, like, weight stuff, because that's a lot of where depression, my depression comes from, too. Um, just living better. <laughs> yeah. You know, better food, better anything, exercise, walking around, actually doing stuff. So, yeah, I think, yeah, a lot of it's that isolation. It's so just doing the opposite. <laughs> like you're saying, a, lot, a lot of your choices have changed, like small choices. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I've noticed, bro, there's been heaps of um, moments over the last couple weeks, and even my partner's noticed them, like, like I've stopped completely with fizzy drinks and stuff. Because when I got here, nice. it was the first time I could, like, kind of, not splurge, but because you know you're with your partner and you're you're living together, so you try to you get like your favorite things and all this stuff, and you can get whatever you want to get. Yeah. But like, bro, I've gone like if we go to shops and stuff, like there'll be something I want. I've I've literally told myself like, nah, don't need it. <laughs> nah, <laughs> walk away. Even like going to like McDee's or something. Nah, I'll just. Don't give me a drink. I'll just give the burger. Like it would, it would like completely yes, stop bro. drinking fizzy, bro. It's like Aye. suck ass. <laughs> no. Yeah, bro. So just water for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cut it all out. But yeah, just um, yeah, change really. That's my way. Main way of dealing with my depression now is sticking to my plans because I've got you know my morning routines and all this stuff all set up. So I just stick to things that I've set up yeah. and have myself responsible for whatever happens. <laughs> like, like execution, like a lot of people yeah. in depression sort of, you know, know what they need to change and what they need to do. Yeah. But knowing it and doing it through different things and, and yeah, it's hard. It's hard to do it. So Yeah. But yeah, I'm getting more comfortable with, um, being real with everyone and myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, for me, I had a lot of coping mechanisms. Yeah. Um, and I thought they were all healthy. Like I thought I was doing good because I've always been active about um, my depression, even though I wasn't like um, vocal about it. Yeah. When I discovered I, I've I've always been active. When I had when I just thought I had a problem, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I've always been driven. To, to heal, but I just didn't know enough, and so I did what I thought was good, and and it's still what people think are good. So I, all I was doing was coping. Yeah, I was exercising a lot. I was playing a lot of sports. I uh, I played music, and you know, I sur- like you, I sort of surrounded myself myself with um, things that I like doing. Yeah, 
and that I enjoyed and I considered them therapy. Like whenever I played basketball or touch or something, I considered that therapy. But all it did was made me feel better. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I went wrong because nothing was actually changing within myself or anywhere else in my life. Um, I Yeah, I was just feeling better while I was still in a shit situation (laughs) that wasn't working for me. Um, So, yeah, like that sort of sums up how I used to cope with it. I did try to find therapy in New Zealand and I want to shout this throughout my, like, especially when I, because I'm, I'm planning on studying to be a counselor and going home to New Zealand to, to do therapy with um, young Maori men. Mostly I'm open to helping anyone. I I, like, obviously humans are humans. Yeah. It's just, I I know who I can relate to the most and I know who I can help the most. So that's where I want to spend my energy. That's not to say I don't care about anyone else. It's just to say that's where I'm going to be most useful. Because I relate to them the most. Um, so there's my plan. I was searching for um, therapy in New Zealand for like a year. Yeah. Um, I went to the doctors and they gave me some medication and we sent away. I told them I was very vocal about how badly I wanted therapy because I had never talked about any of that stuff to anyone. Yeah. And all I was doing was, you know, playing sport and using all my coping mechanisms that I thought were helping me. Yeah. Um, in a way, they did help me because they, like, prolonged it or, like, gave me, you know, just held it off a little bit. Yeah. But, it, yeah, if I had just kept doing that shit, I'd probably be dead right now. But, yep. so I went to the doctors and told them I want therapy, so... We sent away this form and they gave me some pills that I tried for like a week and a half. I didn't like them, so I stopped that and never heard back from them Wow! for counselling. I went again a second time, sent away another form, never heard back again from anyone. Damn. That's fucked up. And when someone that goes out and looks for counselling... They should, yeah, well. they should never, ever, ever be um, in that situation because that takes so much energy. Yeah. Like, you've lost someone right there, New Zealand. Yeah. Like, you've lost someone right there. If I wasn't so active about my healing, my own healing, and so actively trying to heal myself, that's someone gone. Yeah. I went again and tried to find it again. That's another person gone. Um, I'm sure there's reasons why it's so hard to find in New Zealand, but I I, I don't care. I'm I'm gonna change that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get all up in that system. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna feel the wrath. <laughs> Show you that big D who's boss. <laughs> so yeah, so that's what I I I reached this breaking point and yeah, that's cool. Um. I just started educating myself and started, yeah, I guess just educating myself on trauma and becoming trauma-informed, and that's when everything changed. Yep. Um, I eventually moved to Australia where, um, I'm not sure if this is the, the go for Australia, but I got counselling immediately. 
mm-hmm. I got treated with such urgency. Yeah. I sent away one email to this. There was a sign. I lived on Hamilton Island. It's a tiny island. And there's a sign that says counseling has a number and an email address. I sent away an email, heard back from them straight away. And we had, yeah. I was seeing them the next day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just, and they helped me become even further trauma informed. And I feel like that's the, one of the most important things that has helped me up to this point um, is education. Because a lot of these feelings that I had were validated through education. Yeah. Um, a lot of the thoughts and just everything was validated through education. It was like, oh, so I'm not crazy. Yeah. Like, these all come from something. I'm not just this nut case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I have every reason to feel the way I feel and and all of that. Um. So, yeah, through education, I began just growing so much. The healing that took place a lot that came with the educating was monumental. (laughs) And I was able to let go of a lot of things as I understood more and accept accept a lot of things as I became, as I began to understand a lot more, even with my parents, like a lot of, people's depression comes from their upbringing and when you become trauma informed you start to understand everyone else's trauma and how everyone else acts as well not just yourself and there's a lot of power and as I became more trauma informed my understanding obviously grew and my techniques and my tools that I developed and the practices and actions that I took towards um, healing my depression became more direct and more impactful Mm. because I understood what I was doing more. Uh, It just opened my eyes um, to everything that I was doing. And yeah, so my number one advice for, for anyone that's struggling with depression is to educate yourself on, on trauma and the effects of it. Um, I feel like, yeah, that was the number one thing that helped me uh, in the present. Yo, yo. Right. So, yo. Yeah, we close every episode with the checkout segment. Pretty much check-in like we did at the start of the episode, but we like to do it at the end as well just to see how we're feeling after the um, discussions that we have. So, yo, we'll go with you, Jazz. How are you going? Yo, good, brother. Um... Yeah, nah, this was this was a good episode. Um, it see the way you talked about how you cope with it now is stuff that I do and just never really. I didn't think of acknowledging it, <laughs> but yeah, like the understanding of trauma, the understanding of depression, understanding of everything that I go through is the the best tool. But um, yeah, man, I'm all good. Um. It was good to get some of that out. Haven't done that in a little while, but yeah, bro. No. How about you, bro? How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm a bit fucked off. Because <laughs> <laughs> my internet keeps The podcast listeners, podcast listeners won't know because I'm going to edit a lot of the stuff out. But I'm a bit bloody cheesed. 
<laughs> I'm really cheesed off. <laughs> oh, it's all good, bro. No, I'm not really. But. <laughs> but, but really. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah. At the start of the episode, I was driving around trying to find good reception and I couldn't find it. So I just went back to where I started. So. Yeah, that's it's just you know little little problems. Yeah, little 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 inconvenience. Yeah, nature but, just having a little giggle. <laughs> no, other than that, um, yeah, I'm pretty good. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm still excited. Obviously, I'm at the Buddhist temple and yeah, so happy and yeah, just excited. I think to it's sort of a, the start of another new journey yeah bro a new um episode of growth Ooh. and learning yep. this this um little chapter of my life at the buddhist institute i'm hoping to spend a year here but we'll see how it goes i'm just being present for the moment but this time here i i want to use it in a way to so just build more tools and more knowledge and understanding of the human mind and psychology and peace and just yeah. living a living a happy life. I just want to um, soak up even more power so that I can become of more use when I decide to um, move back to New Zealand and help people there. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> I get to yeah. mention that too. I'm excited as well. I'm gonna do a little plug real quick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> bloody. Your yeah, right. Old man jazz on Twitch, yo. It's coming back. We coming back. We coming <laughs> yeah, back yeah. better, bro. Yeah. Got all my stuff getting set up and yeah, nah, I'm excited too for that to be my next little um challenge to myself. Um, back and I'm better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. I'm gonna have a whole bro. I have so many ideas, so many things I'm gonna put into into the world um so yeah right. no, i'm excited for that so catch you yeah, catch me on uh old man jazz on twitch and youtube and yeah oh yeah and youtube and tiktok but um yeah 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 well, <laughs> you're about to start streaming live on twitch yeah bro we come oh, in old man jazz <laughs> <laughs> But yo, um, while you're plugging, while you while you're at it, I guess I'll do a little pluggy wuggy. <laughs> <laughs> I can. <laughs> I guess it's only fair, bro. <laughs> so Aya underscore toolkit on Instagram and just straight up Aya toolkit on Facebook. So we'll go into our toolkit um segment, where if you don't know what our toolkit is, it's the Aya toolkit, um. You can follow it on Instagram to learn about it. It's just a uh, bag full of um, cards with tools and helpful things to help people with their depression or mental health in general. So we'll pick a card out each and just discuss it. So, yeah, you can go, brother. All right. So I got um, card 39, uh, expansion moment. So the card says, imagine your awareness is a ball of energy. So whatever you're paying attention to has a ball of energy on it. Now imagine your ball of awareness expanding as far into the world around you as possible. 
Yes. So I've got a few things to say about that. Okay. Again, I think because you bought one of the first 10 toolkits. Yeah. We've, we've done three toolkit segments and every single card is one that I've changed since then. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't matter. So that that um, expansion moment, the way that that helps with depression is depression in general, like not with everyone, obviously, but as a really self-centered um, sort of state of mind and, and yep. all, all of your awareness or your focus and attention is on very specific things that are almost always hurting you. They're always negative. Yeah. And they're usually just within you, like within your mind and you're just focusing on this thought. Now my thought with the expansion moment was to get your attention outside of yourself, yep. outside of your body and just, yeah, connect with the world around you mm. and notice it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you said that that it changed. How, how has that changed? Did you um, take that one out or something? Oh, uh, maybe I still have that in there. I'm not hundred percent sure, but mm. I just know I changed a lot of the cards. Like some of them were. I realized I thought about it. And I was like, oh, that's sort of more just what worked for me. Yeah, you know, and that might not work for everyone. So some of the cards, I've just generalized a little bit more. Yeah. Oh, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and some of them I completely took out. I think I might have just changed that one a little bit. I might have kept it in, actually. <laughs> Not 100% sure, much. <laughs> bro, you, you're on record for that dementia thing, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> Always have been. <laughs> I'm setting a good pace, bro. For a record finish. <laughs> The dude about warm-ups, bro. <laughs> so I've, I've pulled a card out. It's number seven. How am I feeling? Yep. Uh, take a moment to ask yourself, how am I feeling? Observe your emotions and write the answer down. When the answer is written down, then ask yourself, how do I choose to feel? Mm. Mm, powerful shit. Mm. When you realize, oh... Wait, my feelings are a choice. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's not like you're just pressing a button and you auto- automatically feel happy. You can guide you gently, but um, intently guide yourself to anywhere, anywhere you like, any kind of thought, any emotion, any action. You can just guide yourself. There's, there's, there's um, yeah. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> This is called sort of a written tool, so I'd, I'll do some writing if I were to execute that tool. Yeah, I do want to say one thing, and Teal Swan in that podcast episode that we touched on at the start of this episode, she spoke on how, and I might have already actually said it, but these tools that are in the toolkit, a lot of them are kind of general, and they're just general advice that you'll get from anyone about depression. Yep. Now, what would make what makes the biggest difference is the attitude that you mm-hmm. take on behind the tools. Now, yep. if these tools are executed with the attitude of "I just want to feel better," that that'll you know, like that'll help. Yep. That'll help you. It'll help you feel better if you execute that. But what's really going to make a difference is if you execute these tools with the attitude of, I want to take control mm. of my 
um, life, of yeah. my emotions, of my thoughts, of my circumstances, of my relationships. Yeah. I want to take control and, and whatever I can't control, I, I'll release. Like I'll, I'll accept that I can't control it, but what I can do. Like that's what I want you the attitude to be behind anyone that executes these tools is I want to focus on what I can do. And I don't want to just feel better while I'm being sad about what I can't do. <laughs> so yeah, that whole attitude behind these is what makes a big difference. Yeah. yeah. Oh, do you have a quote, brother? Oh, I forgot about the quote. That's <laughs> doing my little research and planning and stuff Ooh, um... so i'm gonna do one off the top oh yeah okay um, oh, i don't i have no idea what i'm about to say <laughs> fully off the top no <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> No, no, I've got it. I've got yo, it. yo, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say that rhyme that I did early in the episode. Oh, yeah, that's a quote, bro. Just say it, G. That's all what was it? Um, there's, there's actions to take. Take. Jumps. I'm going to say, le- I'm going to change it to leaps to make. Yo. And ties to break. Yo, beautiful. Go. Okay. If it's all right, there we go. <laughs> if it's depression that you want to shake, <laughs> there's actions to take, leaps to make, and ties to break. For God's sake! <laughs> For God's sake! <laughs> Beautiful, bro. Point of the day, right there. Yo, that's my favorite one. <laughs> if it's depression you want to shake. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want to shake depression? Get on it, bro. Get on it. So, coming up next, this next uh, portion of the podcast, I have written a short story um, inspired directly from <laughs> <laughs> from the Teal Swan podcast. She, she sort of mentioned like a little analogy, and my mind just sort of carried her analogy. And I went wild with it. And I've just written a short story uh, expanded from her analogy. Um, So, yeah, that's coming up soon. I'm going to... Yeah. Yeah. So, I think I'm going to be recording that part by myself. So, this is the end pretty much of Jazz and I's recording (laughs) for this week, (laughs) for this week's podcast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. August for... So, yo... So to close out this episode, as I said earlier, um, I wrote a short story inspired by the Tail Swan episode. Uh, so yeah, let's go. <laughs> 5.30am on a Thursday morning, I woke from a heavenly dream. The dream began with myself arriving to my dream home from work. I walked in the door and am immediately greeted by my dog, two beautiful children and my beautiful wife. We sat at the dining table where dinner was already served and waiting and enjoyed our food together as a family. We all watched a movie together before preparing for sleep. 
As I lay down in my bed next to my beautiful wife, we turned to each other and smiled. In that moment, my heart felt full and my life felt complete. We just laid there, smiling, before she spoke. She said, please, free yourself quickly. Let go of your attachment that keeps you bound. Release your grasp that keeps you trapped, so that you can move freely and find happiness, wherever that may be. I woke up soon after she said that to me. I've never met her, at least I don't think I have. I lay in bed completely overcome with desire to make that dream become my reality. But the longer I'm awake, the more clear the aspects of my reality become. I'm 25, single, and I'm still living with my parents. As I sink into my sorrowful realizations, my phone goes off. It's a message from mum. Good morning, darling. Uncle Joe has become very ill and needs you to pick up his pills for him. Can you please do that today? My Uncle Joe lives all alone in a town about five hours drive away. I message mum back. Yep, I'll do that, but i got to rush home for my friend's party tonight, so I can't stay with him. Is he all right? Mum replies, that's fine. He's okay. He just can't drive because he gets dizzy and needs to stay in bed. I get up and get dressed quickly as I don't want to miss out on my friend's birthday party tonight. Maybe I'll meet the girl in my dreams there, I affirm to myself. I drive to my uncle's house in a hurry going a little over the speed limit the whole way. I arrive and knock on his door. Uncle Joe, I've got your pills. Can you unlock the door? Hold on, give me a second, boy, he replies. As I'm waiting for him to get to the door, I aimlessly glance around. Behind me, I hear a car pull up. It's the neighbours, a young couple, it seems. I glance back at my uncle's door. Are you okay, uncle? Yeah, hang on, boy. I roll my eyes. I'm not the patient type. I let out a sigh and resume glancing around aimlessly. I turn around to the neighbours again and observe the boyfriend taking their shopping bags inside. He notices me and nods and smiles as he walks towards his front door. His girlfriend is waiting at the door with her back to me. I don't know why I'm watching them. There's just nothing else to look at, I guess. As he walks inside, she proceeds to close the door behind him. In closing the door, she turns around and notices me. She waves and smiles politely and closes the door. It took me a couple seconds before I realised that I had seen her face before, but I don't remember where. Then it hit me like a bolt of lightning. She was my wife in my dream this morning. I stood in complete shock. My heart started beating hard and fast. I could feel it thumping through my jacket. My uncle finally gets to the door and notices me lost in a daydream, staring into space. Thank you, boy. It's good to see you. Did you get the pills? Is everything okay? You look lost. Uncle Joe, who are your neighbours in that house over there? He stares back at me, confused and concerned. What? Why? Come inside. I need to sit down. We walk inside and sit at the dining table. Here's your pills, uncle. Thank you, boy. Why do you want to know who the neighbours are? I just thought I recognised them, but I don't know where from. They're a beautiful couple. Moved in about a year ago. They're really kind people. They've even invited me to their wedding a couple months ago. I didn't go, but I thought it was kind of them. I think they feel a little bit sorry for me, living alone and all. My heart sank in the news of her being married. What's the girl's name? I'm sure I've seen her somewhere. Her name's Maya. Where do you think you might have seen her? He asked. Well, to be honest, I had a dream this morning and she was my wife. I proceeded to tell Uncle all about the dream. Wow, boy, that's a bloody weird dream. <laughs>
he said as he walked off to pour a glass of water and take some pills. Make yourself at home, boy. I'm going to go and lie down. You do whatever you want. Your mum has already told me that you can't stay the night, so just come and say bye and lock the door before you leave. Okay, uncle, I will. Thank you. I immediately go to the spare room, which conveniently has a window facing Maya's house next door. I peer out the window into the kitchen and see Maya unpacking the food shopping. It was definitely her in my dream. That's confirmed, 100%. I'm still in shock. My thoughts and heart are running completely out of control until finally my mind settles on one thought. I have to move here. She told me in the dream to let go of all my attachments so that I can move freely and find my happiness. I have to move here. I tell my uncle I'm going to stay a few nights, which he was very happy about. Of course, boy, I'd love for you to stay. Stay as long as you want. But I thought you wanted to go to your party tonight. What made you change your mind? My dream, uncle. It's meant to be. I'm meant to be here. My uncle looked confused and concerned again. Seriously? Oh well, do whatever you gotta do, boy. You know where everything is. I'm gonna get some sleep. A week goes by and I've spent a majority of my time watching her from the window, wondering how to make the dream become reality. I finally build the confidence to introduce myself. I notice that she gets home from work an hour before her husband, whatever his name is. I'll introduce myself then. 3.30pm on the dot, she arrives home. I'm already outside my uncle's house pretending to work on my car. My heart pounds as the big moment draws closer. I'm as nervous and anxious as I possibly could be. As she approaches her front door, in a panic, I yell, Hey Maya! She turns around, confused. She didn't see me working on my car. Oh, hi. Are you Joe's nephew? He told me about you. I'm guessing he told you my name as well. I pause awkwardly, completely lost in the moment. All I'm thinking about is a dream and laying in bed with her. It has to happen. It absolutely must. Another week goes by and I've got into a routine of working on my car at 3.30pm just to talk with Maya. It's now Friday, 3.20pm. I've given a lot of thought about what I'm going to say to her today. I'm going to tell her about the dream. It has to happen. It absolutely must. I can't waste any more time. I have to make it happen. During my two weeks here, she's all I can think about. The dream, our kids, our dog, our home. I got scared that I'll forget the dream so I drew pictures of it and I've put them all over my wall in my room. A drawing of our house, our family at dinner, our dog, the family watching the movie and a drawing of her lying in bed looking at me and smiling. I placed that one right next to my head where I sleep. The dream has to happen. It absolutely must. Why else would I have had the dream? Why would it be her? Why did my uncle call me to bring him pills that day? It has to happen. 3.30pm on the dot, she arrives home. Hey Maya, how was your day? Hey, it was actually really stressful. I'm a little bit tired and worn out, sorry. I'm going to head in and go straight to bed, I think. I'm not feeling the best today. I enter a slight panic again. I had planned every part of this conversation and this wasn't how it was meant to go. I'm really sorry to hear that you've had a rough day. Can I quickly talk to you about something before you head inside? She responds kindly. Sure, what's up? Two weeks ago, before I came here, you were in my dream. We were married and had a beautiful home and a beautiful family. I wasn't meant to stay here. I was just meant to drop Uncle Joe his pills and go back home. But I stayed because of you. You told me in my dream to move here. 
I don't know how else to say this, but I can't sit back saying nothing any longer. I'm in love with you and I will do anything to make that dream become reality. She stood still, stunned in silence. She didn't know how to respond. I broke the silence, finally. I know how messed up it sounds, but I feel like it's destiny and I can't get the dream out of my mind. What are you thinking about right now? I have to go inside, I'm sorry, this is all too much. Goodbye. She said as she shook her head in disbelief. I watched her retreat back into her house. I still felt determined. I still felt that it was meant to be. Over the weekend, I planned my next move until Monday arrives. 3.30pm. Hey, Maya. She takes a second to acknowledge me this time as if to prepare herself. Hey, look, I told my husband Jack what you said to me last Friday and he's asked me to tell him if you approach me again. I feel uncomfortable. This isn't okay. I found it weird that you're always working on your car whenever I got home for a week straight. Now that I know why, I ask you to please leave me alone from now on. I stood in silence as she walked inside, disheartened but still determined. 3.30pm, Tuesday. Maya, I just wanted to apologise. I'm so sorry about... She cuts me off in the middle of my apology. It's fine. You don't need to apologise. Just please leave me alone. 3.30pm, Wednesday. I wave to her with a smile. She avoids eye contact. 3.30pm, Thursday. Same thing. 3.30pm, Friday. She pulls up, but this time with her husband, Jack. He storms over to me angrily. Hey, I don't know what your deal is, but you're making my wife feel very unsafe and you need to leave her the fuck alone. Maya stood behind her car, staring at me in anger. I looked right past Jack, only concerned with Maya. Hey, are you listening to me? Jack grabs me by my collar. I react and push him to the ground. In my mind, he is in the way of destiny. He must be removed. As he falls to the ground, I jump on top of him. I get a few punches in before he restricts my movement. Maya is trying to pull me off of him as we wrestle around on the ground. She recognises that trying to pull us apart is futile and decides to change strategy. She runs back to the car and calls the police. By the time the police arrive, Jack and I are still arguing. Ripped shirts, bruises and cuts adorn us both as the police get between us and put an end to the fight. A few days pass and I've been given a restraining order and then by law no longer allowed to make any contact with Maya or Jack again. It's safe to say at this point I'm completely disheartened and the possibility of the dream not becoming reality hits me for the very first time. As the nights come and go, my affliction grows deeper. I still can't get the dream out of my mind. I stare at the drawings on my wall every day, every night, every day, every night. My health gradually declines in every aspect. I'm thoroughly consumed by thoughts of the dream and then thoughts of reality. Back and forth between the dream and the reality. There's still a part of me that believes it will happen. The dream had to have meant something. It must happen. Weeks go by and the pain of the situation has hit a new depth. I contemplate suicide daily, but the only thing that keeps me from going through with it is hope. The hope that the dream will happen. As I sit on my bed dwelling in misery, Uncle Joe knocks on my door. Boy, come outside and talk with me. Are you okay in there? I don't have the energy to talk and answer, let alone move to my door. I love you, boy. Come out when you're ready. He slides a folded piece of paper under my door. I haven't spoke with Uncle Joe since I got the restraining order seven weeks ago. I've been consumed by the dream and the reality.
so consumed that I completely ignored the paper that he slid under my door. I have zero interest in anything other than Maya. The day turns to night and I'm sitting in the same spot, suffering. My stomach growls in hunger. I haven't eaten all day. So I get up to make some food, walking over the piece of paper on the ground and towards the kitchen. I search a fridge for some food. Uncle Joe, do we have any leftovers? I find a bowl of soup and put it in the microwave to heat up. I assume Uncle Joe couldn't hear me over the TV in the lounge. Uncle Joe, I'm going to heat this suit up and eat it. Hope that's okay. I wait for an answer. Nothing. I set the timer before investigating why Uncle Joe isn't answering. He's always awake, watching TV until at least midnight. I walk into the lounge where the TV is showing a movie named Resistance. Uncle Joe isn't in the lounge. I walk to his room again. He's in there. Uncle Joe? I walk toward the closed door of the bathroom and knocked on the door. Uncle Joe, are you in there? Still, no answer. I open the door slowly, but something is blocking the door from opening fully. I peer my head around the door and see Uncle Joe face down on the floor. My heart stops as I desperately force the door open. Uncle, I scream as I kneel down to turn him over. There's no pulse at all. I'm pretty sure he's gone. I have no idea how long he's been here or why. I run to my phone to call the ambulance as a stream of tears fall from my eyes and a new level of pain shoots through my body. As I wait painfully for the ambulance to arrive, sitting by my Uncle Joe, crying helplessly, I suddenly remember the piece of paper that he slid under my door. At the same time that I remember the paper on the floor, the microwave beeps three times, alerting me that my soup is ready. I get up slowly, walking to my room. My body feels as heavy as a mountain. It takes every last drop of my energy just to retrieve the paper in my room from Uncle Joe. I sit on my bed holding the paper and unfold it slowly. With tears falling down my face, they land on the paper. It's a note. I begin to read through the blur of my tears. Dear nephew, I may not understand what you're going through, but I am here for you when you're ready to come out of your room. I love you so much and it pains me greatly to see you hurting so much. The situation seems to have become so dark that you can no longer see anything outside of it. It seems to have become so heavy that you can no longer move anywhere outside of it. I don't mean to tell you what to do or how to live your life, so forgive me for suggesting that you let go of the situation. You're so attached to it that you have become trapped under it. You're so consumed and blinded by it that you can't see any other way to be happy. But if you just let go and not be so attached to this futile situation, then you give yourself a chance of finding happiness elsewhere. I wipe away my tears and take a deep breath before reading the last paragraph on the page. Please free yourself quickly. Let go of your attachment that keeps you bound in suffering. Release your grasp that keeps you trapped in misery so that you can move freely and find happiness wherever that may be.